Hi, this is Jeff Tate, and you're listening to <laughs> middle-aged metalhead. Middle-aged metal. That's harder to say than I thought it was. It's gonna a be. tongue twister. Middle-aged metalheads. You're listening to Middle-Aged Metalheads. Tonight, we are going to be discussing the pride of Pasadena, California, Van Halen in all its forms, iterations, for better and worse. Tonight, you're here with Colin Bosler, Mike Stamps, and David Timoney, and myself, John Harden. Uh, it's looking like a house divided this evening uh, when it comes to Van Halen, um, which I don't mind. I, I would prefer a debate. So uh, who who wants to start? Colin, you saw Sammy Hagar last night. I did. You I did. It, it, I will. It was a blast, first off, uh, to review the concert for just 60 seconds. Sammy, at 71 years of age, absolutely tore the house down. And you've got Michael Anthony with him, which I, it just adds to me another level of, of That entire band, Jason Bonham and, and <laughs> oh. Vic, uh, they yeah. are top notch. They top really, to bottom. I agree. I agree, John. They really who, are. Who, who, who else is in that band? Uh, Jason Bonham, uh-huh. and what's Vic's last name, Colin? Vic Johnson, I think. Yeah, yeah, Vic Johnson. Yeah, um, and I mean those guys play their asses off. They play Montrose songs. They play Van Halen. They play Led Zeppelin. Um, it, it's really it's such a good show. If it hasn't hit your town yet, go. Uh, if you're interested in those bands, because like Colin said, at 71 years old, Sammy's still destroying every night. Yeah, he is, and when they played the Van Halen songs, uh, the crowd just—not to—not to have a punny moment, but they—they it, it, they erupt. It, it just—they go nuts when you have these Van Halen, Van Halen songs come out. Um, because let's face it, the radio play from fifty-one fifty and OU eight one two—it's—it's just astronomical numbers in terms of how many they sold, plus all the radio time they had, videos, etc. So, um, CSM yeah, Sammy still brings it, and, and it, it was uh, an amazing night. But in terms of Van Halen, uh, to go back into my history real quick, because I think we're going to start with when we were introduced, I was finishing up the uh, middle school part of my life, and one of my friends had purchased Van Halen 1, and he was basically the town crier. It was like Paul Revere running around, the Van Halens are here, the Van Halens are here. Um, And to be honest, although I liked You Really Got Me and, and I liked Running With The Devil, the album really didn't hook me that much i'm not an atomic punk fan i'm not necessarily a jamie's crying fan they're okay songs but it was it was just something that i thought was was good to listen to i i did not understand the artistic uh beauty of eruption it just was lost on me at that time in my life um but then when van halen 2 came out and they started to focus a little bit more on drinking and partying and beautiful girls and and somebody gave me a shot you know that kind of clicked with me a little bit and then women and children first and fair warning that was a great run uh, of van halen albums and i just loved their bravado i love david lee ross style i love eddie van halen style everybody in that band had just a a great personality and a great presence so I really, it took me a little bit to hook into Van Halen, but uh, once I got there for those few albums, uh, I was really with them. And then Diver Down kind of cooled me off a little bit. And uh, the Van Hagar part of their their run, I like Sammy a lot and, and loved his music before he joined. The pop part of it kind of turned me off, to be honest. I wasn't necessarily a dreams kind of guy and a why can't this be love kind of guy. Um, I still liked him, but it really those first 
few albums when they were when they were cooking uh, back in the early uh, late seventies, early eighties. Those are those are my Van Halen days. Oh, well, you, left, you left out an album there that uh, was probably my first uh, true introduction. That would be nineteen eighty four. Um, you know, of course, uh, certain sort of like cultural forces sort of combined there. Uh, MTV. Uh, the sort of like decision to go with some more uh, kind of pop uh, FM radio friendly songs. Certainly Jump is still like one of their biggest hits. Um, you know, for, for me, just uh, seeing all the, the videos, all, all the things that you kind of talked about there, Colin, kind of like really introduced the band as kind of like individuals, um, you know, with, within the sort of like team of the brotherhood of the, of the band. Uh, you know, it was again. Even if you didn't have MTV, they were like all over the the, the Friday night videos with, uh, you know, the videos for Jump or, or Panama or Hot for Teacher. They were they, again. They kind of blew up, uh, you know. And then of course there was uh, the the band itself blowing up after that. But uh, for me, it kind of really, uh, you know, introduced me to uh, to the band and to and to what they were like uh, at a time when I was otherwise listening to you know, Quiet Riot and Bark at the Moon and older, you know, Sabbathy songs and, uh, and and Kiss, of course. So, uh, again, I got a rather late introduction and had to go backwards uh, in time after uh, after that came out. David. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Such enthusiasm, David. Listen, I mean, I, I'm going to tell you, I mean, when when they had their first of the more recent runs of reunion tours, I was there. I had tickets. I had great seats uh, in, here in Philly. And we were early in the tour, and they were phenomenal. They were great. Um, my wife and I just kind of made a decision. We were going to try to see more music, you know. And when that came around, we nabbed some tickets for like 75 bucks or something. Not bad. Like down on the floor. Uh, or I guess the first row, like first two rows above the floor, so you had a good vi line of vision right by the soundboard. And they were great, man. That was back when, like, you know, Dave was, st was still early in the tour, so he was doing the swords and the jumps and the, you know, he had that little interlude with dogs. Um, <laughs> you know, which I, now listen, I love David Lee Roth. You know, I've got a playlist of just David Lee Roth, and, you know, that's another conversation for another day. But... I don't love Van Halen. I don't necessarily like them. I like what I like, and then I'm I'm not really a fan. They're not my top. You know, the stuff I like, I like as much as other things I like. The stuff I don't like, I just don't pay attention to. I don't listen to. So to say, I I cannot honestly say I don't like Van Halen. I just or I dislike them. I don't like them. You know what I mean? As a kid growing up, like I'm trying to think, like in when when the first Van Halen record came out. I was listening to like Starland vocal band and you know what I mean? I was six, you know, afternoon so, delight. Yeah, man. Um, little did I know, uh, Star rockets in flight. That's right. Uh, you know, I was listening to whatever was on the radio. My mom and, and dad, you know, I listened to Motown and what was not at the time oldies. You know, I, I, I was just looking today. I still have those Mac Davis records stopping some other roses killer, man. Mm -hmm. Jim Croce, you know, um, I was not listening to heavy stuff back then. So when, uh, when, did you, when did you first, uh, you know, recognize that Van Halen existed in the world? Probably better off dead. 
right? Nice. Yeah. Okay. Probably my great first, movie, by uh, the way. Yeah, great yeah. movie. Uh, Claymation, you know, when, uh, anybody wants some? That's, that's, that's a good moment, yeah. Oh, there you go, from Better Off Dead, yeah. Claymation yeah. Burger that's doing... Uh, um, yeah, and then I'm trying to think there was another... There was some other like similar Van Halen thing. It was like from a movie or something. I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, but then it really wasn't until 1984. And I think I've told this story before. I remember picking up that cassette and kind of soup to nuts a really good record except for the stupid synth thing at the beginning like (laughs) it's classic 80s though it's pop no it's like it is but it's like you put that record on and that's everybody skips that song except nowadays we put it on and be like let's get ready to rock (laughs) yeah um but like i remember i would put that on on my boom box and like do push-ups to it i'm like let's jump <laughs> you know at Get 12 leg warmers on <laughs> i didn't have leg warmers dude i did have a jean jacket but no leg warmers um but then you know geez after that was after that 5150 yep oh dude everybody i knew played keyboards like all the popular kids play keyboards, like boom, down, 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 down. I'm like, oh, Jay, we're all gonna die. And I just, I, they lost me completely with Sammy Hagar because Sammy, H- like, this is the the true confession part, which is, you're my age, you're in, you know, whatever twelve is, middle school, junior high school for us. I just got turned on to playing guitar, and you hear Van Halen, you're like, screw these guys, and it's because they're great. <laughs> you know okay. what I mean? Like, you're, you're never gonna play that stuff. So it was sort of like, uh, you know, kind of like a sour grapes resentment. It's like, he's too good. It's like you, you, you kind of dislike them because this, there's so much virtuosity on the record and certainly in the live performances. Yeah. I mean, it's just, he's, you got to hate the guy because he's so freaking good. Everybody yeah. I knew was learning Spanish fly or um doing the finger tapping uh, stuff the other ones the other ones eruption everybody's everybody who owned a guitar would learn that but then when everybody was around nobody would admit they were learning that but everybody was doing the tapping thing you know so like there's there's a, a this love hate where it's like you're watching him because he's great but like you hate him because you can't play that stuff yeah. But when you know, but when Sammy Hagar hit, that was like my prime time for listening to music, and I didn't like it. It was too. It was nothing like what was before. It was nothing like I was into. It just it it dropped dead for me. And then David Lee Roth split, and he was on MTV, and he had Steve Vai and Billy Sheehan in the band, and that's where I went. You know, I followed okay. that that path because I was not wanted- alone. And that band was incredible. Oh, okay. so good. I, I mean. It, the fact that that fifty one fifty and Edom and Smile came out just within months of each other, uh, going head to head. Yes, you know, ultimately, I think Van Halen ended up selling more just because yeah. it's it, it's Van Halen. But I mean, Dave's band was incredible. Um, sure. He he definitely went out and he's like, well, who who's the other best guitarist alive? And he found him and. Uh, yeah. And the greatest it, bass player alive at the time. Yeah, right? and Billy Sheehan and Greg Bissonette, just top to bottom solid band. I, I don't know about some of the songs. I, I don't know if I'm going to rock on Tobacco Road so often, but uh, yeah, I like that. I, it's fun. It if, if you're already but, in, it's a great tune. Yeah. I, mean, I, I came to Van Halen, and, and Mike can attest, Van Halen has been one of my favorite bands my entire life. 
Like yeah. I love Van Halen and and still do. Um, I came to them by accident. I came the 1982. I was 11. My aunt and uncle sent me some cassettes for Christmas. One of them was ZZ Top's Eliminator, and one of them was Van Halen's Diver Down. And uh, I didn't know what to think of it at first. You know, when when Diver Down is your first record in, it's kind of a shitty record to be introduced. <laughs> to be that, was my first, that was my first record. It, it's not a great record. I mean, it's like Big Bad Bill and Dancing in the Street, Pretty Woman. I mean, half of the album is covers. Happy Trails is on there. Like, it's, you know... Yeah, I, I didn't know what to think. Some of it sounded great. You know, you've got Where Have All the Good Times Gone, Little Guitars. That stuff sounds cool, but it seems like a stopgap album. It seems like they were probably either on tour or I don't know what the history is of the record, but they were probably doing something else. And Warner cocaine. Brothers was like, yo. Yeah, or cocaine. Sure. They're doing lots of cocaine. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? They were probably in the middle of other things. Warner Brothers came and knocked on the door and said, hey, takes money to make money and uh, let's let's put something out. And that's what they put out. Um, yeah. I, I got 1984. Ferg gave me 1984 as a birthday present. Uh, I got it on cassette and I played the shit out of it. Um, but I never left them. I love Sammy Hagar. And, and part of that might be growing up in the Bay Area. You're you're surrounded by Sammy Hagar and Journey on rock radio in Northern California. That's just how it is. Like I, I had VOA on cassette. I, I loved it. I love Sammy Hagar. And so Sammy joining a band that I already loved was not a bad situation for me, considering that Dave was still making music and doing his thing. I mean, I, th there is nothing to this day that I like more than David Lee Roth's music videos from that time. Those mm -hmm. Dave TV videos and the Eat em and Smile videos are incredible. I, they're part of the reason I grew up to do what I wanted to do. But that didn't make me like Van Halen any less. I mean, we went to, to the Cow Palace. The first time I saw Van Halen was at the Cow Palace 5150 tour. And it was fucking great. Like everything about it was great. And uh, except for the fact that like their management cheaped out and got Bachman Turner overdrive to open the show. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, that, that's a running theme of, I think, uh, I think uh, Irving Azoff just goes, look, we've got $2. Whoever wants the $2, you can open for Van Halen because I've had cool in the gang open for Van Halen. Actually, Mike and I saw Van Halen and, and Allison chains open. And that's, I mean, that's a good bill. Like, yeah. Um, and Jerry King Krell admittedly loves Eddie Van Halen. It was that was a very good pairing, but uh, otherwise, yeah, it's been cool open, open for them at the Philly reunion show. Yeah, I, I mean, come on, like just put on a cassette. No one needs to see Cool in the Gang at a Van Halen. I, show. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought they went over well. I thought the, I thought the vibe was really good, and the crowd loved them. I was on your side, Colin. <laughs> was <laughs> thanks, John. <laughs> um. Uh, yeah, you know, Colin, Colin and I were talking beforehand, and I guess we'll probably get to it at the end. Um, you know, the the Sammy years ended, and uh, and the Gary Sharon era began, uh, and only lasted I don't know what a year three and a half. Yeah. Um, you know, they I, I, Van Halen three is not an awful record. It, it, there's some decent songs on it. If it yeah, was one of the other two singers, 
it probably would have went over better. But I think the most frustrating thing as a Van Halen fan is that Eddie is not very old. Alex is not very old. They're getting older now, but there's been so many years of mm -hmm. non-production from them as a band that it's frustrating to see someone that you know, even, even if he misses, he takes a big enough swing that it's worth listening to. Eddie Van Halen has spent the past 20 years not even taking a swing. Well, and, and, and that's frustrating, you know, um, as a fan. I, I've seen them a few times on the reunion tour. Um, I, I have some friends in the touring industry, and, and it sounded like uh, there might have been a chance of a, of a sort of an all-in-one tour with Dave oh. and Sammy and Michael back because it sounds like Wolfgang uh, is ready to fly the coop. He's been making a record with Tremonti and uh, and Wolfgang's album's about to come out. It's supposed to be really solid. And I, I think, you know, even though he's a Van Halen, he's not Van Halen and it's probably time for him to go. But I, I just don't know if that's ever going to be ironed out. I doubt it. Uh, you know, already, like we started this off saying Sammy's 71 years old. Dave's up there too. Uh, and Eddie just sounds hard as hell to work with. And, uh, you know, I, I, even when you're managed by the biggest music managers in the business, they could put together a tour like that with everyone in a second and it still hasn't happened. And that says a lot. Yeah. And again, like you said, it's, it's disappointing for the fans to know that, you know, even, even in their, in their heyday, you know, they cut corners. They threw a lot of covers on uh, on their albums, and they, well, they definitely churned them out. I think if you read the uh, the most recent uh, biography by their former manager, you get the sense that you know they were in that that grind of tour, record, tour, record, tour, record, where you know they're just uh, running on fumes by the time they get into the studio and you know writing and recording songs while they're in the studio. So it's uh, not necessarily the most organic uh, kind of creative process. It's it's kind of like what you see in the later, uh, you know, L.A. Uh, metal scene, hard rock scene, glam scene, hair metal scene, whatever you want to call it, where, you know, the debut records of like some of the bands are just like pure, raw, great stuff. And then once they get out on the road, they just slap something together and maybe they even make a third record. But most most of the bands, of course, don't even get that far in terms of their contract or just uh, keeping their shit together. Uh, but yeah, for, for Van Halen to be established, to have like their own studio um, and to just kind of like creatively whiff for seemingly a decade uh, is, is just kind of really, uh, really disappointing. Uh, you, you, you know, you listen to the the most recent record, uh, the different kind of truth, and you think, "Shit, guys, you, you could have put out like two or three other records like this." Uh, they, they could have put out five more, and they just don't. Yeah, and, 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 and they just don't like. So it's again, it's one of those things where. Yeah, you get established. You're uh, you, you you have all the money you need. You're you're world famous, and you just kind of you you don't end up doing anything. I think of uh, I think of old uh, Jakey e. Lee basically taking you know a 15, 20 year hiatus after Badlands, and then just kind of I don't know, just roaming the earth like Kane. I don't know what he was doing, but he wasn't making he, he wasn't playing music, which it's is too bad. 
those Red Dragon records are pretty good. Yeah. See, that's the thing. It's like it's not like he just kind of lost it or was in a car accident or just, you know, went on and, you know, worked with Peace Corps or something. He just stopped making music yeah. or, or at least recording it. So, um, but it, it, again, it's, uh, it's it's very heartening to know that the, the, the band is at least together. It, it seems like there, there might be, you know, maybe a full reunion, maybe even like a plus one reunion, which again is going to like sell like hotcakes. Yeah. But the, 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 the window's running short on that. It really is. Well, again, yeah, it's like everybody's getting older. Hey, Trevor, we're going through our, uh, our, our introduction to Van Halen. So how did you come on to the band and what year do you remember? Uh, can you guys hear me? We can. Okay. Um, probably just the 1984 album was like everybody else. Um, but I remember Sammy Hagar from the heavy metal soundtrack with the song Heavy Metal. That was my first introduction to him. And where do you stand on the uh, the Dave versus Sammy? Do you like both? Do you prefer one? Um, I'm more of a Sammy fan. Dave kind of, he's, he's a good showman, but that's about it. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that. I think being being sort of a Van Halen apologist, I've always felt like David Lee Ross probably the best front man who ever lived. He's not the best singer. But in terms of entertainment, Dave's your guy. Yeah. Oh, Was that one of sorry, sorry, Freddie Mercury. He knows <laughs> not of what he speaks. <laughs> um. Uh, maybe, maybe if we get, if we don't say like the best. I would certainly give him the the the, the props for being the the most watchable, the most sort of like you can't take your eyes off the dude. Yeah, he's not like, a complete most, package, but he's a showman and and, 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 and really influential as, as far as like his his stick. You know, the thing the thing he does um, it, it basically gives you every sort of like you know, flamboyant front man to come, you know, strutting down the, you know, the Sunset Boulevard, uh, you know, through, you know, the late 70s into the late 80s. You know, they're all sort of like clones in a way of, uh, of David Lee Roth. Yeah. I, and, but, and when Sammy joined, they got a singer. They actually got someone who could sing. And, <laughs> and the songs may not be up to snuff for a lot of fans, uh, and, and the lines were drawn, but I think musically they took a jump forward um, in some respects, in some not. Uh, granted, like you said, they got poppier. Van Halen 5150 is still their biggest selling record. It's kind of a little masterpiece in a way. It, it's got I some it. classic tracks on it. Just yeah, you know, great musicianship, great songs. And, and, and I know whenever we start talking about uh, as middle-aged metalheads and we talk about Whatever this uh, this term metal is, um, you know, we, we tend to kind of like, like you said, kind of draw these lines, and make these uh, these classifications where, well, Van Halen is not metal. It's like, um, all right, I guess, but they're not Journey either. You know, we're not. It's not like we're trying to include Journey or Loverboy into a heavy metal conversation. You listen to the drums. You listen to the vocals, you listen to the, the, the bass, you listen to the guitar. It's got all the components that in any other band we would say is like, that's heavy metal. Yeah. And, and I'd say for Unlawful Carnal Knowledge, when they got to that record, that's one of their heaviest albums. You can put that amongst any of their albums. And, and, if, and if Carrie were here, 
what he, what what he would say is like that song, fucking Judgment Day. I love that. <laughs> Where's Carrie when I need him? Yeah, yeah no. So he, he he would otherwise just kind of like you know think of uh, uh, anybody who's watched uh, Metalocalypse knows that uh, the the joke band on there, Razzmatazz, featuring uh, Doctor Roxo. Is clearly like modeled after David Lee Roth and Van Halen. I do cocaine. <laughs> You've got to get the Dr. Rock though. In <laughs> Thank you, Michael. I mean, David Lee Roth's a good singer. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, no. those Sammy Hagar records, David Lee Roth like, is a good talker. Yeah. That's music for old people to, to make out to. Yeah, but I mean, Dave doesn't sing. He does it. He doesn't really carry notes. He makes a lot of weird sounds. Uh, he he he's got a good rap, but yeah. I mean, especially in the later years, in these past few years, Dave does not sing. I don't think for me the trade off of song quality for singing quality when you get Hagar, it it this, we got ripped off. <laughs> Again, do you, what do you want? Do you want Robert Plant? I, no, I, do, I definitely don't want, want to. I don't want to get into that. You, we don't want to get into that. You That's know, another episode. I know. I, I, I told. I, I think he, you know David Lee Roth. His his character, uh, everything about him, kind of kind of suits the band. It it really it really works. Uh, if, I, if they, I, I disagree. So so imagine this. Imagine David Lee Roth singing. You know, one of these, uh, you know, why can't this be love? You know, sort of like power ballady songs. Would that would that float anyone's boat? But that's well, a different band. Do it for one. What's yeah. that? That's not Van Halen. There's two separate Van Halens. Well, I, I, no, I, I, I'm aware of that. I'm just saying that <laughs> David Lee Roth wouldn't. That that's not hit, that, the style of Van Halen. Uh, that that anyone would appreciate. Did did the early Van Halen with David Lee Roth? Did they ever do any sort of ballady song? No, he was He didn't want to sing about love. He, I, I, I've been, about I, love. I've been <laughs> right, exactly. I've been biting my tongue for a few minutes because there's really some awesome points that just came up that I I, I want to throw my two cents in here. Yeah. What John John was talking about him being the the prototypical front man and and how and how uh, i think he even said the best we'll let that lay for a moment <laughs> great great conversation for another episode showman i i mean when you go to a rock show and you go to van halen it's like going to ringling brothers and your your master of ceremonies in, in the center ring is going to be dave okay i'm going to phrase this the right way i don't disagree with that thought my issue not issue my 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 counter thought is dave's number one fan of dave is dave and if, you think, and if you <laughs> think about the, the the concerts that I've seen him in, he will actually watch videos of himself that play behind him, and he wants you to make sure that you know he's watching him watch you watch him. Yeah. And and I personally think that now this is you know you, when you gain a little perspective when you get older, that's why we have this podcast. I, what the more that I've learned about Eddie over the years and learned about Van Halen, I think Eddie Eddie Van Halen Eddie Van Halen only wanted to play guitar. That was his whole focus. He didn't really care about money, touring, all that jazz. He just wanted to play guitar. And from what I've read, he really didn't give a shit what David Lee Roth did. He didn't even know what David Lee Roth was really doing. And he didn't care as long as he could get paid to continue to play guitar for a living. And and I think the ego of David Lee Roth, it only worked because Eddie Van Halen didn't care. 
if David Lee Roth was in another band where the where the guitarist actually thought I need to put some chemistry together, Ed, David Lee Roth would have never made it because his ego would have been too big. He got lucky. I don't think he's that talented, but he got lucky. And now back to your showman point, John, that is the, that is the big plus that David Lee Roth has is he is, I like your term, he is a ringleader. He is an MC. He is he he is very much out in, in, in the limelight and he's very comfortable there and Eddie's not. So it was a good marriage. When they got Sammy, Sammy now brings a whole different level of music writing, another musical, uh, some more musical ability, the, the history he has, a lot of the success he's had. That's like the perfect storm of bringing all this talent together. And look what happened. It, it just, you know, the country went ape for it and, and they sold, sold a gazillion records. Mm -hmm. Thank you for thank you for listening. No, those, those are. Those, I agree completely. Those are great points. Uh, and again, for for our listeners out there, uh, again, if you if you want to kind of get a, a lot of like deep background on like the early days of Van Halen, definitely check out Van Halen Rising. It's a it's it's a great sort of like documentary, uh, you know, uh, book study of the band and and uh, all its members. Um, kind of growing up together in Southern California, basically kind of being a uh, uh, like a backyard party band uh, where they did lots of covers, um, you know, basically made their money off of selling beer by, you know, just playing at people's barbecues and stuff. Uh, some, some legendary sort of gigs too that they did where, you know, there's hundreds, if not, you know, thousands of people showing up at people's backyards but, uh, you know, one of the, the really great insights that uh, the, the author of Van Halen Rising gives of, uh, of Eddie Van Halen, uh, who was in a three, when he and Alex first started up, they were a three piece. Um, and Eddie did all the vocals uh, grudgingly. Uh, so uh, a lot of his sort of uh, the showmanship that we uh, have become more familiar with, with this sort of like flying sort of like leg kick and all that, that, that comes so much later. Uh, early on, he was just kind of like a diffident, a diffident sort of head down, singing cover songs, not necessarily doing them very well. But as Colin said, but wanting to to, to be the guitarist um, again, it, it, but not necessarily be the the, the center of attention. Um, and again, what what they recognized when they when they first uh, you know were working the scene was that someone like David Lee Roth was attracting. A very different sort of crowd. He was attracting the crowd where a lot of girls would show up at the gigs, uh, and so it was a sort of a, a marriage of uh, you know of, of self interest. Uh, of course, the, the the legend goes that uh, Roth had a PA system, and that the the Van Halen boys would always uh, you know rent it from him or borrow it from him, and ultimately, David Lee Roth was the guy who pursued them. He was the you know the you know the guy who just kept coming back to the band saying like I'm gonna be your singer I'm gonna be your singer and uh, he would try out and he would stink uh, but they they still recognized that he had a charisma that nobody else in the band at that time had um, so so again it's that's that's how the band formed was just this sort of compromise and the sort of recognition of if they were going to uh, to be commercially successful. They needed to like uh, you know join forces in a way, and of course there there was there were problems from the get go because of Dave's sort of narcissistic personality, which is 
part of his charm, I think. Just add cocaine. I don't think I don't think that if you were to switch their roles, if Sammy Hagar was their first singer, they wouldn't be as big as they are now. I think Sammy Hagar walked into a famous band and did great. I think that David Lee Roth walked into a great band and made them famous. Yeah. Well, and, and uh, that, that's well said, David. Again, you could think of like, uh, uh, let's see if there's an analogy to that, like Phil Collins taking over on vocals for, for Genesis. Yeah. Like, all right. So you, you already have like an established band. And Phil Collins was the drummer for, for the Genesis band with, uh, with Peter Gabriel. So it was just kind of like, all right, we're not skipping a beat here. We're going to, but certainly their, their sound evolved as a, as a result of that. And their whole sort of, uh, persona as a band as well. None of the weird costuming and shit. Yeah. Well, since we're talking about Genesis, uh, oh, I'd yeah, have to say go. Journey <laughs> is the... Uh... <laughs> what? We're talking about Genesis? <laughs> 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 Alright. Well, hey, before... But we, we spent a lot of time on Dave and Sammy and Eddie. Uh, I just want to give a shout out to Michael Anthony before we... Oh, we absolutely. Because absolutely. Michael Anthony is fucking great mm. explain uh, this to me I, I just think he's solid as a rock and if you listen to I don't think the that early Van Halen two records for three frets on I, I just think if Dude, you it's listen to it's the vocals that's oh, exactly his what background I vocals say. make those albums yeah he, he's supporting he is supporting David Lee Roth Sorry, Eddie's John. Eddie's brown sound and Michael Anthony's backing vocals are the sound of Van Halen and uh you know I, and and like Colin saw last night, he's still doing it too. Uh, you know, he's still playing with Sammy out there every night. I just think he's he's underappreciated when it comes to uh, to rock players because that guy has been at the center of a lot of really great songs. Yeah, no, and, and he's and, been treated like shit by the Van Halen brothers. That's, and, uh, yeah, that's yeah, that, and, and again, that's that's a that, that has a long history too. The 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 former manager, the guy who was uh, who, who was sacked right before they went super, you know, big with the 1984 album and tour, uh, recently released his uh, biography of the band, and he he describes Michael Anthony throughout as just being a gentleman professional humble always keeping his head down not you know the, the he he was uh he, his girlfriend at the time was his high school sweetheart whom he ultimately married and he's i think still married to so like when all the other guys were like filming orgies with you know with groupies and cocaine michael anthony's just like reading a book <laughs> writing letters to his wife and, then, and, and going out he's, and killing he's, he's it on good the Amish stage. He's a good Amishman. So uh, <laughs> yeah, he 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 is kind of like the the most uh, uh, underappreciated member. But again, I think you know even even Sammy when he joined the band, it's like I had no idea that uh, uh, that, that Michael Anthony was the guy who was providing all the sort of like juice as far as uh, the, the background vocals and just kind of just like a steady, reliable member of the band. Whereas course the van halen brothers are uh, a, a different set of toxic twins yeah i'd read some interview with him um he was complaining when when sammy joined the band because he had to sing all the higher stuff and he could sing lower stuff with david lee raw yeah yeah so what uh, do we think of alex van halen then as a drummer i think he's great 
I think Al, when it comes to the politics of the band, is always just going to side with his brother and he stays in the shadows. But uh, I think he's a very solid drummer. I don't know if he's one of the greatest drummers out there, but he's played on some of the greatest rock songs. And I liked your second word, John. I like solid. I don't know if yeah. I like great, but I like yeah. solid. I, yeah. I think a, a, a good test of a drummer, and I've been listening to like a lot of uh, like churned out like '80s records lately. Uh, so I was listening to like uh, uh, that that Accept record, Eat the Heat, and I was listening to some Vinnie Vincent Invasion. You know, basic stuff. Uh, Close to kiss, careful. But what, 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 I didn't even say it. But what, what, what one of the things is like when you when you listen to a band and you hear the the drummer is like actually <laughs> he's actually contributing like a unique sound to the band. It's like if you if you put Alex Van Halen in Journey, let's say, you would totally recognize his drumming, his uh, his style. Uh, the, sort of the intensity of his beats. It's there's nothing sort of uh, just kind of like plugged in. He's not like a you know uh, just like a drum machine. There's always like interesting rhythms and fills, uh, and, and again, definitely lots of symbols. R Lou Reed would have hated him. Yeah, but, I mean, early on he was one of the guys who was you know he was tapping into electronic drums and trick effects and things like that. He was always the guy who had far more drums than his skill required. Um, but he had the gong. He had the big gong. He had, too. Gong. He had like a hundred toms. He had, he never ever going to say eight, no to a gong. Like eight kick drums. Yeah, he, you he, know, he had he had the kit of like Neil Pert, right? Yeah. Also, who has a gong? Yeah, uh, yeah. Nico McBrain gong. But honestly, yeah. you know, yeah. he would be in. Your car had a gong too, right? Like, yeah, yeah, he did with a Chinese symbol on it. And Al's not close to any of those guys in talent. But uh, no, no, I mean, but he would be he would be in that category of drummers who, you know, probably they're best known for not making mistakes, you know, which is not a bad place to be, you know what I mean? Like you you get somebody's rundown on great drummers, they start with names like Liberty Devito, sure, you know what I mean? It's like this guy goes on like a zillion records, doesn't make a mistake, thousands of live shows a year, doesn't make a mistake, right? And they say, well, who do you want to show up for your gig? You know, and they're like, I want that guy, the guy that doesn't make any mistakes. But yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, I, I there was there was a time when you know, in the in the scene of of people who were playing in bands, they were kind of picking who their guy was. You know, like you're going to buy gear. Whose gear are you going to buy? And people were buying the you know the Alex Van Halen gear. They're getting the cymbal stands he's got, getting the drums he's got, and they're reading books about how he tunes his drums a certain way. So that he sounds a certain way, right? He's got the rototoms with no shells on them for for certain things. He's got a million symbols. Um, you know, he's he was playing on big symbols before people were playing on big symbols, China symbols before people were playing on China symbols. You know, it's it's not nothing. Yeah, in his sound more than he's maybe honed his craft, but he's you know he's got to sit in the shadow of one of the greatest guitar players around. Well, but but again, I think entire life. That's that's the sort of like sibling rivalry. I think you get a sense of is like that they're not just uh, technical wizards and, and and sort of like musical geniuses, but there's there's a sense that like they're they're driven in a way to 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 create these uh, these sounds 
you know, again, like it's it's legendary. Like when when people would first see Van Halen, of course, people wanted to see what the hell was Eddie Van Halen doing to his guitar to emit those particular sounds. Um, and 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 I think there's you know again more legends about how he would like do his soloing with his back to the audience so people couldn't see what he was doing or steal his techniques. Uh, so, so again, I think it, it, the core of the band, its name is Van Halen. And uh, again, I think it, you know, begins certainly with, with Alex and, uh, uh, and, and Eddie, who, again, I think as John referred to earlier, it's like they started off with like Eddie on drums or when they were kids starting out, Eddie on drums and Alex on guitar. And uh, Alex just got frustrated with, with the guitar. And so Eddie took over and, Alex, you know, took the seat in, uh, in the kit. Yeah, I think Alex had a paper route and he sure. went out and while he was on his paper route, Eddie was like, picked up the guitar. And when he came back, he's like, yeah, I guess you're better than me at this. <laughs> so you, you do that. Yeah, you can just imagine like his dad picks him up from the first gig and he's like, Alex, let's go get some more drums. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, do you, what, do you, what do you think of this gong, Alex? <laughs> Everybody has one. I'm still voting for a gong has a place in all rock. He's all like, he's like but Eddie's so much better than me. Oh, but you need some symbols. <laughs> and a gong. And a gong. Yeah, hey, let, let's do a round robin. There's, there's five of us. Why don't we each pick our favorite Van Halen album? Yeah, album. Go. Okay, you start. Uh, for me, Van Halen too. Uh, it's uh, it's short. That's the that's the one takeaway I have. I think the album's like five times platinum or some crazy number. That's that's the one takeaway though. I think it's like thirty five minutes long, which just is not enough for what I what I it, the vibe of that album is so strong to me. It's over. It's too quickly. But yeah. I just, but I just think that that just has such an edge to it and such a, a great sound, man. That is, that is. I know it's only two albums in, but that is the apex as far as I'm concerned. Okay. David, My, yeah, David. you know what? <coughs> I'm going. I'm probably going uh, first record. Van Halen one, as it's yeah. known. Is that how it's known? Okay. I don't even know that. <laughs> That's how we know it now. That's how I guess it, at the time it was just. <laughs> yeah, who knew it was just one, right? right. First blood. I mean, in the current live, well, show, they play like, almost the entire album. Van Halen That's World Domination. The one uh, called World War One. But I remembered what the other one was. The other, remember, I said the first one was uh, was Better Off Dead. The, the second one was uh, was Tone Loke. Mm. Oh boy! Um, oh, with the Jamie's crying. Yeah, look? yeah, dude. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, yeah. That's hot. Right. Is that that's how you get Medina or the yeah, other one. Oh, Medina. Rap interlude. Hold on. <laughs> the wild thing is uh, Jamie's. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wild. Yeah, thing. wild yeah, thing. Yeah. It was coming. It was eventually coming. <laughs> but no, yeah, the first record. I mean, straight through, solid. Except that yeah, stupid ice cream. What's wrong with that? <laughs> oh wait, and no, he said solid all the way through, except for the stupid ice cream man. That doesn't make it solid all the way through. Uh, it's still solid all the way through, but then you. Have to <laughs> <laughs> uh, John, uh, Michael, or Trevor? Go, Go for it, Trevor. Well, I have to take 1984 as well. I think that's that's definitely a solid record as far as radio hits and popularity and creativity. Okay. Now, here's a, oh, I'm sorry. 
Drugs I just had a, a follow-up for Trevor, but you said you said radio yeah. hits, but does that mean you spin it in, in its entirety every time you listen to it, or are you listening to just the radio hits? Well, I'm just saying that I, I don't even know that I own it, but... Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, True fan. I'm looking at the... I'm, <laughs> I'm, looking at the <laughs> I'm looking at the track list and going, yeah, I've heard them all on the radio. I mean, you know, okay. it's... it's it's part of it's part of the eighties. It's part of what you grew up with. I mean, yeah, it's right. around. That's you know. I just didn't want to let you off the hook too easy. That's all. Oh well, anybody could say nineteen eighty four. And he did. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> all right, come on, let's go. John, who's falling on their sword? I I, I am going to fall on my sword and. I'm going to say 5150. Okay. All right. I know I it's you, hurtful to David <laughs> saying that. I, 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 here's, here's why. One, I, I do love the record, top to bottom. I, uh, to Colin's point, when I put on 5150, I don't bring up a track. I just put it on and always have. And I think it's also just a, a, a chapter in my life that I like to go back to. I was 15 when 5150 came out uh, and they were my band. And that was the first time I got to see them. And I, and they were massive. Van Halen was everywhere during 5150 and I was happy for it and still am. Um, I, if they were to go back out on the road again, I would 100 times rather see them with Sammy Hagar. I've seen them with Dave plenty of times. Um, but it's a better show with Sammy, and I uh, I would like to see that again. Yeah, and and, and again, um, like I said uh, earlier on, you know, 1984 was uh, you know my gateway drug, you know my my introduction to uh, to, to Van Halen and and to what they represented, and and again, I think the. When, when when I first you know encountered them again through through MTV and and through FM radio and through just like hanging around with like you know seventh grade dirt bags you know near the railroad tracks where we'd smoke cigarettes and clove cigarettes you know before and after school um, you you got a sense that there was something more to Van Halen than jump um, and, and and again there was like there almost it's sort of like buildup of like. Uh, Van Halen on the radio and being sort of like commercial and sold out in that way, I think still kind of like gave me a sense that like there there was something powerful to them. So I I, I would still say 1984 uh, it is one of like my most significant Van Halen records. But if I had like only one record that I had to listen to, like if all my other records just suddenly got like I don't know uh, destroyed. I'd go with the first one. The first one, I think, just T to B, top to bottom, just has like just the, the, the primal tracks. Uh, again, whether it's just it just starts off with running with the devil, running. Yeah, did I get that right? And uh, you know everything. You know whether it's even the the, the Kinks cover there of uh, you really got me. It's just everything about it. Uh, again, I like Atomic Punks. Uh, again, it's. It, I think mostly because, you know, it just, it has that sort of like raw sound, uh, you know, and you listen to like the, the production notes with uh, Ted Templeman who produced everything, I think all the way up until like maybe 
OU812. Um, just like he, he was basically the guy who discovered them and got them signed. And it was based on his seeing them there at Gazzari's uh, performing live and realized that this was a band that had to be on record. And then when he had the opportunity to, to record them, made all these sort of efforts uh, to, to, to capture the band's live sort of uh, you know, dynamic. And, and I think that that definitely comes through. Um, and, and of course, it's, it's definitely the record that uh, launched uh, like a thousand, you know, wannabe guitar heroes, you know, what, listening to to Eruption. And as, I think as David was, was saying, it's like he was like, I'm going to imitate that. There's I'm not going to play Stairway to Heaven. Stairway to Heaven is grandpa music. Now, this is what you're going to do if you're going to be a, you know, a, a true guitar hero. So <clears throat> I picked two. <laughs> yeah, and actually, T Templeman. Excellent answer, Michael. 1984. Don Landy did uh, did 5150 and and OU812, and oh, then okay. Tem then Templeman came back for okay. for lawful carnal knowledge. So so, 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 so Templeman left when uh, the original uh, manager left as well. Well, Ted produced uh, Templeman produced uh, Eat Him and Smile. So when when oh. when the lines were drawn, he went with Dave. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you could kind of see how that would work. Did he? Who, who produced the the, the crazy uh, from the Heat EP? God, I don't know. I would guess him. Okay. I think, I think he did. I think yeah. he did. Yeah, um, and, and again, if you if you if you read the book there by their by their stage, uh, he's a, the manager of the band. Just like so many, like he he did do crazy from the Heat, and coincidentally, he also did VOA for Sammy Hagar. Hmm. There you go. Yeah, yeah, that was that was the connection there too. Besides, uh, Sammy and uh, and Eddie having the same mechanic, Maserati mechanic. <laughs> yeah. <or something>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you're you're running in elite circles at that point. You see the lineup on Crazy from the Heat, by the way. Oh God, Sid McGinnis. I don't know who that is. He's a guitar player from the late night with David Letterman band. Was Anton Fig on that record too? No. Uh, who's on drums? John Robinson. I have no idea who that is. Mm -mm. Uh, Christopher Cross is there on backup backup vocals. Nice, Chris Cross. Staley. Cop between noon uh, and New York City. That's, that's right. True. Exactly. Arthur's right. theme. He's sailing Edgar away. Edgar Winter. Edgar Winter. Okay. Best albino guitarist ever. One of what? one of the. Is that like not like a classification? I'm only smiling because I don't know how many would qualify to be in that group. <laughs> so, so, yeah, he's probably best. There is a small mouse. <laughs> Sorry, Michael. I just thought that was a funny thing to say. It is a weird <laughs> group put together for that. Just saying. People say, who, who's Edgar Winter? It's like, he's the albino well, guy. I, not, I, I, get, I get it. I just didn't know if who's you're... Jeff uh, who's Jeff Healy? The Jeff blind Heal? guy. He's the blind okay. guy. All right. <laughs> then you got Johnny Winter, who's also albino. Right. That's why I was like, I got two. <laughs> so he's, he's the best. I'm like, I guess. Small All mouse. right. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah. Um, uh -huh. Awkward pause. Well, this, no, is all, this is all getting cut. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have yet to bring up the green M&Ms. That hasn't surfaced yet. Green M&Ms. 
I, I don't know how much we have to discuss about that, but I know that that's one of the things I learned early on was that uh, the Van Halens were supposedly uh, infamous for making their contract difficult to make sure everybody they had to make sure everybody paid attention to stuff. So they they took out the green M and M's, right? Oh, brown M and M's. I'm sorry, brown M and M's. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, but that's great. I, I mean, that it's sort of an ingenious, you know, thing to keep the promoters on their toes and make sure that they are paying attention to the writer. The Foo Fighters do the same thing. If you want a, a good laugh, uh, track down some of the Foo Fighters writers because they're fucking great. Like <laughs> they, they have carried that tradition on. Uh, I don't think it's on this tour, but the previous tour, they had a coloring book, like an activity book. Uh, a Foo Fighters activity book that was their writer. And uh, there were jump word jumbles and crosswords and things like that, that that were required to do to make sure that everything was crossed off. So <laughs> it's pretty great. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. I mean, oh, it's, it's, it, it stemmed from their rigging weight, right? That's the deal. And the John, what's that? What's that? I think the writer was, was, a uh, was so that, they would make sure like they were checking to make sure they read all the the specs because yeah, of the size absolutely. and the weight of their rigging I, they, knew if they, sure. if they knew if they saw the brown m&ms they probably didn't check to see if the stage could hold up the show right, right. you know um if i got an activity listen if i was working for iatsi and i saw a freaking coloring book I'd be like, you guys are gonna die tonight. Yeah, it doesn't go to Iati though. It's not going to the rigging guy. It's going to the promoter who's hiring the rigging guy. Um, I, I am posting a link to that coloring book in on the Facebook page. Yeah, I think what one of the misconceptions of the the, the brown M and M's being removed was that it was a diva move, and uh, it, it was it was not that. It was basically a, a kind of like fuck you to the promoters um, who would otherwise just basically just kind of recycle food, recycle anything, um, you know, from, from one band to the next. So this, this was their way of just like making sure that they were getting fresh food and uh, there was some like QC going on um, quality control. Uh, the, 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 the manager of the band, and again, definitely like required like page turning reading uh, was uh, legendary. Like Van Halen's fortune through the 70s and the 80s is made on their merch and, you know, their, their T-shirts, the hats, all the other stuff that they sold inside the venue. This guy was like a straight up thug vigilante who would go out into the parking lots and would track down anybody selling bootleg merch and basically just like pummel them, steal their shit, call the cops, do all of the above and basically steal their money uh, in order to make sure that uh, Van Halen was making the money that they deserved. And, and again, he, he has a little bit of a sour note throughout the work in the sense that uh, you know what what he did, his sort of sacrifices as far as that went. Because when he, when he brought it up to the band, he was like, "Hey, you guys, you're going to make a lot of money selling T-shirts." And the band was like, "Yeah, really? Well, okay, whatever." And the, he went and did this, and basically got his own sort of like licensing for all their gear, and then policed the the the, the arenas himself. Uh, so again, it was like kind of a testament to his. Uh, you know his doggedness in making sure that uh, the band got the money that they that they properly uh, deserved. 
Um, and th there's there's another great episode in there that he talks about. Besides all of the cocaine fueled incidents, uh, this 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 involves the, the the Journey episode where Van Halen is opening for Journey, and maybe a, there's another band in there too. But uh, for for whatever reason, Steve Perry came into like the the green room where uh, Van Halen was uh, drinking, doing cocaine, and having a food fight. And uh, the manager had to come in because uh, the band had thrown like some sort of like jello parfait at uh, at Steve Perry and it got into his hair and it got all, <laughs> all over his jacket. And he said like the worst thing about it was like, okay, I had to go into the bathroom and help clean Steve off. But I also had to like console him because he was weeping so vigorously. Steve Perry was just like, man, Eddie like threw this parfait at me and he ruined my fucking hair and it ruined my jacket. Alan Alda on the phone. It's like, <laughs> again, it's just one of those sort of like, you, if you, again, because he was there and he had that experience, it's just like, aw. Neil Sean's going to come in here and kick your ass. Yeah. That is the best impersonation of Steve Perry crying I've ever heard, Michael. That was beautiful. <laughs> uh, well, I, I'm glad I could be there for you guys. That's awesome, man. This is well done. Bars of O'Sherry. Yeah. Neil <laughs> Sean, who also played with Stanley Hagar. That's right. HSAS. Oh. Good record. For some reason. Why was it called Hass Ass? It's just stupid. Uh, it's Aronson was uh, the drummer. And who's the S? What, the Sharif. That's Shreve? it. Michael Shreve. Sean. Drummer. Neil Sean. Yeah. I, the only thing I remember from that from that record, and again, I Sammy had like because uh, I remember going to California music and just you'd see like seven or eight like Sammy Hagar records, like three lock box <laughs> and whatnot. And uh you know, and, and and again with like I can't drive 55, everybody became and and, and the video for that, of course, it was just it was infectious. It was, you know, it was one of those things where Sammy was a, a rock star in his own right. Uh, but uh, they, they did that uh, Procol Harum song, uh, Whiter Shade of Pale. Uh, yeah, I think that was like the lead song on that uh, on that album. It is like everything I can do to keep from saying Sammy Hagar sucks every time somebody mentions his name. Oh, my God. Oh. Why would you say oh. that, David? You all like Sammy Hagar? Oh, so good. Oh, that's right. I can't stand him. He's so good. That's not right. He, he, his, his, he released that solo album also after 5150. I, I never yeah. said goodbye record. That was he was contractually obligated to put out, but it's kind of a 5150 sequel. Eddie... Yeah. Produced the record and Perry. played bass on the entire thing. Yeah, and it's and it's a great record, it's a really yeah. good album. Down, uh, where eagles fly. Yeah. Sounds horrible. Did it have a title or was it just called Sammy? It, it's called I Never Said Goodbye. Yeah, I think I it, when it came out, it was just called Hagar, Sammy Hagar, and, yeah. and yeah. later on. Yeah, you're right, John. It was yeah. originally just yeah. Sammy Hagar and a picture of him falling or something on the front of jumping yeah. or whatever he was doing. He was jumping. Yes. David, how can you uh, let's talk about this for a moment? Like an having an intervention. <laughs> yes, yes. We're all we're all here for you, David. So we're gonna we're gonna help you work through this. So why why does Sammy suck according to you? 
You know, my first experience with Sammy is I can't drive 55. Right, which is a fucking awful introduction to an artist. He's in every, a red every, uh, leather. That guy jacket. left the house. Yellow he's, leather. Like, he's like, I don't think I have enough yeah. buckles on my <laughs> <Yeah>. outfit today. <laughs> they showed that video last night during the show, and yes, the yellow jumpsuit <laughs> with the red buckles is awful. Yeah, but that's not but that's not rough. Sammy Hagar, man. That's that's Dude, marketing. That's, what, the guy know. makes a killer barbecue. And his booze is good too. Yeah, booze is great. We had some booze last night with him. It was awesome. He, 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 he even that. mixed what, us what a couple drinks. Roadside dumps, dives, and bars. Show. Oh, yeah. You spent a minute with him, Colin. How was that? Oh, I've actually been lucky enough to spend a few minutes with him the last month or two. Uh, he's his. His ability to to still interact with the fans on a I'm gonna say a more natural level is just awesome. Now I understand they're meet and greets, he's shaking hands. I, I had a chance to talk to him uh, when when we had another interaction, and and it, yeah, I get it. There's there's a whole part of his life that is very busy, so it's not gonna always be 100% genuine. But his his ability to still smile and shake hands and take a, a moment to say he he's you know he's thanking us as the fans. He's saying, listen. Because everybody's like, I love, well, David wouldn't say this, but we all say, I love you, Sammy. And he's like, listen, love you guys too. You know, thanks for everything. Um, he's still very humble in the way that he approaches things at 71. And I, I just, it's a, it's such a positive energy and a positive vibe about the guy. It's, it's absolutely amazing. Yeah. Right. That's so, great. so let me, so let me tell you this story. A couple summers ago uh -oh. in, in Philly, <laughs> Hall and Oates was playing, right? And this if you're in Philly, Philly, if you're in Philly and Hall and Oates is playing, you go see Hall and Oates, right? The opening act. Anybody? Tears for Fears. Huh. Okay. Right? Darn. So we're standing there waiting for Tears to Fear Tears for Fears to go on because you gotta wait till Hall and Oates goes on. So you may as well catch Tears for Fears because there's two stages. You gotta walk from one to the next one. And I'm looking around and I am realizing that I am in a crowd of people for whom Tears for Fears is their favorite band. Now I have never met somebody for whom Tears for Fears was their favorite band. Yeah, that's a different podcast. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, it never even Somebody write that down. <laughs> it never even dawned on me that they could be anybody's favorite band. Right? That's like everybody's like third or fourth favorite band. They're gonna be, like, they're gonna be an opening yeah. act. Yeah, third for me at least. They, they got like, like a few. They got a few couple, like two or three songs that I would. Dude, off. no. See, that's what I said. I'm like, they played five songs. I knew every one of them. Yeah, <laughs> on the radio. Yeah. I'm like, they got a I lot mean, of songs. Yeah, they really do. But and the, but here's so, so here's the point of the story though, is that I can't believe that they're anybody's favorite band. I knew a guy. Sammy Hagar was his favorite artist, and I'm like, what? That's like the guy who only owns a Nintendo, right? Uh, uh. It's not your favorite artist. It's like somewhere down. Like you also like. You know, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. When people are nuts about like a second tier, I don't get it. Yeah, no, I I, I could totally appreciate that. I I, I know that uh, like like I was saying, like when I was being initiated into uh, Van Halen, uh, my my friend there in Gilroy was starting to like play you know guitar and wanted to emulate everything about Eddie Van Halen, and I was just like. I'm just not getting it. I'm just not seeing it. It's just kind of like, okay, so they got some kind of wacky, funny videos and the David Lee Roth and stuff. So, you know, Van Halen never became like my favorite, favorite band. Cause it just seemed like, again, I was like really, really late to the party. So it was like, Oh, 
I gotta I gotta like represent for you know newer bands. Like my favorite band's gonna be Queensryche or Armored Saint or how about White Wolf? Hey, you Rock guys, are Wolf, aren't you? <laughs> so you know, I, I, I've always kind of like had like a, a like a, a spot in my heart for for Van Halen, and and again, I just I, I love the songs, but uh, I don't think I like hung up like uh, posters of them in my room. Um, or, you know, but I know John did, but, uh, <laughs> really like the only time that I saw Van Halen play live was at, uh, the big monsters of rock thing that they did at candlestick. Did you not go to the 5150 show with us? No, that, I, I, no, with the, with the BTO, I, for some reason I wasn't able to go to that. Sure. So yeah, it began, cause like, that was like when we were first starting to go to shows, but yeah. I, I didn't see the BTO show. I know you and Ferg went and, yeah. Yeah, Monsters of Rock was OU812, which is a weird fucking record. Yeah. But, I mean, and then that summer, you know, if, you, if you're going back to that question, is Van Halen metal? They were headlining a show ahead of the Scorpions, ahead of Metallica, ahead of Dawkins. And Kingdom Come. And, and, and Kingdom, Kingdom Come. Come. I, I mean, that was, a, a to me, that's the best show I've ever been to. It was it was definitely an epic day of metal in the sun, candlestick, so many stories. That, that that's a whole podcast in itself. A movie. <laughs> it is yeah. definitely uh, something. If, if, again, if there was uh, the, the the documentary team there from uh, Heavy Metal Parking Lot <laughs> there on the scene, there are a lot, <laughs> lot a lot of folks we know from Hollister High ended up going to the Rock Docks. <laughs> who's uh who, who else was in line for that gig before sammy got it right i mean that's a legit I, call to the majors from like yeah, you know you know what he was it, in the majors uh, he, i i agree yeah, with that I, 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 I disagree he was in the majors that's like that's taking an all-star pitcher and putting them on another all-star team I you're saying agree. you're saying sammy's level excuse yeah saying sammy's tier two i'm assuming david deliver off that you to you is tier one that's i can't see that man but, sammy was just as established as dave was um from what i remember patty Smythe was in the running to join van halen which is <laughs> just insanity wait wait, wait um, a second wait a second patty Smythe or patty smith Smythe with a from y. scandal from, from, from exactly right and with the with scandal the featuring yeah. patty Smythe. Yeah. okay all right yep. that makes that makes Still, still makes no sense, but yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know, I don't know what led to that, but uh, that was a name that they tossed wow. around. Yeah, and, and and again, I know that there was there was uh, there's there's still legend too that uh, you know Alex or or Eddie approached Sammy like as early as you know may, maybe 1985 or so, or it, excuse me, before. Uh, the fifty-one fifty record actually happened. That they were they were eyeballing Sammy well before he actually joined the band too. So it was it was definitely one of those things that was bound to happen. But uh, and I know we've we've uh, we visited the topic before too about how a band uh, you know recovers or uh, you know re you know regains a sort of like lost mystique. Uh, despite the fact that they lost their lead singer, which you know again is like usually like the central focus of uh, of a band's identity, um, like Sammy or not, they sold a shit ton of records. They went on tour. They made a shit ton of money. And think and about how fast that happened. 
1984 came out in January of 1984. And 5150 yeah. came out in March of 1986. That was after a world tour. Yeah. And, 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 for, and for me, it seemed like just like thinking about the transition from like, I don't know, seventh grade to eighth grade, ninth grade, uh, seemed like that was forever. But, uh, but in, in reality, it was kind of like snap of the fingers. And it's like, oh, now you got a new Van Halen record, and it's Sammy Hagar. Yeah, and I mean they toured forever on 1984, and then it, that album came immediately after that tour. Oh, really? So is this is this telling of the tale here that's on Wikipedia, which I hate by the way, but it's it's <laughs> handy. It's saying that Eddie liked Montrose, and that his auto mechanic suggested Sammy Hagar. That's the story. I, I think it's a guy named Enzo or Mario. I need, I need a better mechanic. <laughs> um, I, I, I have a buddy who is now Sammy's mechanic, and he echoes Colin's uh, thoughts that that Sammy is just the most genuine dude you could run across. I don't, I, I don't doubt that. I'm just thinking like you're sitting around with the mechanic, and you're like, we need a new singer, and he's like, you know, this guy is singing with the guy from Foghat. I bet you he'd be great for you. Yeah, but I mean, why not? You know what I mean? It's like I, I don't I I don't know if it's that weird. That's the circle. You know what I mean? He probably worked know, with dude, the dude Scott from too, the, and the, the the drummer from Santana said he's great. <laughs> <laughs> but but again, there's, there's still don't no denying that 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 it worked. And and again, like but the, I agree. I, I'm not yeah, I'm not arguing that. I'm just saying like that's I don't like I get that people like him. But that's at least going from tier two to tier one. When he joined Van Halen, Van Halen was top tier yeah. big band. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Well, he's one of the biggest band in America. Tier. Yeah. He was not top tier. I mean, and, and I'm saying this for almost anybody. That's a call up from another from another level, right? Because HSAS could have been playing somebody's like spring fling. Yeah, I mean, he went from from VOA to Van Halen, and VOA was a you know I can't try fifty five had was a hit. It yeah. wasn't it wasn't a smash, but it was a hit. Oh yeah, and, 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 and then he joined one of the biggest bands in the world. He was famous enough to get made fun of by Thelonious Monster. You know, it, it wasn't like we took like, uh, like Dave Menachetti from Y and T, and it's like, oh, you're going to be our singer now. It's like. That would have been fucking great. <laughs> it would have been great, but people would be like, who the F is Dave Manichetti? Dude, if Eddie called Dave Manichetti tomorrow, I would be in the front row. That would be incredible. Yeah. Hey, Dave like, still sounds pretty good, man. The show we saw this year was awesome. Fucking greatest band ever. Like, whoa, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, put, I put the glass well, down. Dave, Dave barely knows who they are. But uh, there, there, there's like a great, there's a great scene in the. Like every uh, time you mention them, I bring them up and I try to listen to them, and I just, can't, I don't understand. They're so in, good. In, in, in the Van they're Halen, on tier one. They're up there, dude. In, in, in the Van Halen Rising book, uh, there's there's a scene where uh, oh, Van Halen is open for Y and T in some Southern California uh, venue, you know, some some sort of arena, and the, the Van Halen guys are all boo hoo and they're like. Man, when are we gonna get signed? And and Y and T are all in their van going back to like San Francisco, and they're like, "Dude, you guys are great. Just stick it out. It's gonna happen for you." And you know, Eddie is like, you know, smoking joints and stuff and feeling sorry for himself. 
and uh, and and Y and T are like really supportive, and then they just kind of like drive off. But, uh, <laughs> just, you know what I would love to do? If it, I, it just if seems if so I weird. Had... Like Van Halen is like they're the band we're talking about, and we're not talking about Y and T. You know well, what we I could. Think, you know what I would love I to do? I would love to take a bunch of these Y and T songs, rename them, repackage them, and pretend they're a new band. Okay. And just pitch it to people. Like, check out this new band. Give them a better name. Give them a better album artist. And, like, change the names of the songs. Because, like, Mean Streak, Dirty Girl, Midnight in Tokyo. Like, th- those aren't the names of songs anymore. <laughs> okay. Well, not anymore. No, but that's not like they were then. Peaches and Cream. <laughs> okay, I'm just <laughs> making that up. saying? <laughs> Nah, you, you leave you, the Y and T alone, dude. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna keep my shield up for Y and T. They are fantastic. You guys are tough, dude. California dude. people, man. I don't understand it. So so that's the thing. I mean, I mean especially in the South Bay, like Y and T was the shit when we were growing up. They were huge. I mean, granted, for a small area, the and death toll when Metallica came out must have been massive. Yeah. What's that? So the death toll when Metallica came out must have been massive. Oh Metallica is not bad for a tier three band. They open for Kingdom Come. So. No, actually, Kingdom Come opened for Metallica. I, I know. I Metallica know. opened for Dokken. Think about that. Jeez. Yeah. Man. Yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure how that, all that worked out, but... Uh... I'm putting, I know. I'm putting on a Kingdom Come song right now. Yeah, yeah. Dawkins playing county fairs in Kentucky, and Metallica's playing football stadiums. <laughs> That's how it worked out. See, see, I want to I want to bring up another point here about right. uh, about Van Halen. Um, again, when we get into this uh, pseudo argument about like what is metal or what's true metal, and, and 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 all this other shit. And again, because we were talking about like this whole sort of like California scene. And again, the, the, the California scene often gets very sort of uh, generalized in a way where it just seems like it's, uh, you know, the L.A. hair metal band scene. But uh, again, we have to remember that, that a band like Van Halen comes out of the 70s and, and, and retains like a lot of the roots of the, the, the bands that uh, Eddie and Alex were into, uh, which, uh, you know, doesn't necessarily put them in this same sort of like metal, uh, you know, sort of pedigree of a band like Judas Priest or, or, or Birmingham born uh, Black Sabbath. Uh, I think, you know, Chuck Klosterman put it well when he said that uh, Van Halen was not like a hair metal band. They were not a heavy metal band. He called them a teeth metal band because the band was like always smiling, like like they actually enjoyed their music and the seriousness with which they took to like performing their songs was for them fun, which, which again, I think kind of fits a, a different sort of category where as, as far as you, you think about a metal band having fun doesn't seem to like be cool or there's there's something sort of like off-putting about it that you have to be like negative you have to have songs that are like gloomy or 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 inspired depression um but i but again i think like teeth metal is is a kind of a fun way to kind of like think about 
just sort of like the, the enthusiast. And again, for a band with David Lee Roth, kind of like did the thing that all the other 80 metal bands wanted to do is like, how do we get like more chicks at our show? How do we get like on the radio? How do we, how do we have people like enjoy our music without being part of like a particular sort of like, uh, you know, a little semi demographic of depressed loners who were like polishing their gun in, uh, in daddy's basement. And, well, I, I don't think metal was established yet either. Yeah, I mean, it, you talk about teeth metal. I think Van Halen, when they hit, became just an extension of what they were. And what they were was a band of guys who went to school together in Pasadena, California, and yep. who were playing in backyards. And yep. they had the cool guy and they had the shredder guy and everyone was drinking and everyone was having a good time. The party band. And that's what their career became. They yep. were the party band. And when Van, Han, when Van Halen came to town, you break out the six packs and you go party with Uncle Dave. And that's what it was. And I, I mean, metal, not metal, hard rock, not hard rock. They were your backyard band who became everyone's backyard band. And that's not a bad thing. Um, I just don't know if it fits in a genre. Yeah, so much I mean, other I, than rock. I, I think that, that it's, it goes even beyond that. It's, they changed the way music gets played. You know, they threw the gauntlet down that this is the way people are going to play drums. This is the way people are going to play guitar. And you can't get away with anything less than this unless you're going a very, very different way. You know, yeah. I, I, I sent you that picture. This, you know, the, the guitar rigs that most of the heavy metal guys are playing or recommending are the EVHs and the 5150s and the 6505s, which were the same as the 5150s, but they got sued for the name. You know, these are the Eddie Van Halen amps <laughs> and people are playing these Eddie Van Halen guitars. And when you, you know, when I go on my heavy metal amps and pedals, facebook forum because everybody's talking about their rigs every single day somebody's like oh, i love my evh heaviest yep. amp i own yeah. right i need to get the killer you know mashuga sound and i can't afford this amp what do you recommend somebody's going to say 6505 5150 evh and that's the, you've gotten to a point that you're into like wayne gretzky status right you know what i mean where it's like we have to change the rules for the game because the people playing the game are too good now. Yeah. Zach Wilde once said that he was growing up listening to Hendrix and he listened to uh, Jimmy Page. He said, Van Halen came out and destroyed the planet. He said everything, you had to recreate yourself and, and adapt to things, and they just took everything and just made it fresh again. Yeah, it's very hard for me to go back and listen to, and, and I say this my whole life, not just now. It's very hard to go back and listen to um, Jimmy Page or you know Roger McGuinn or Jimi Hendrix or these old head players and appreciate what they're doing because a lot of my entree into hard rock heavy metal guitar playing was Eddie Van Halen and those folks who were influenced by Eddie Van Halen and I listened to it and I'm like it's a cool song but dude super sloppy you know I like that guy's tone but I want to steal I want to steal that Jimi Hendrix tone and I want to play more technical music with it right yeah. Um, it's a it was a game changer in many ways. So I I completely agree. When you say it ain't metal, well, first of all, John, you're right. There was not metal. <laughs> it just wasn't there. Right. It was it not. It was not consolidated into what we now know as metal. And now sure. you get these kids. Now they've got 23 different genres 
of metal, which I don't even know what some you know stuff I used to listen to that was one genre. Yeah, is now they're like, oh no no no, that's this now. And I'm like, you, you go to the Wikipedia page, and it's like it's a list of like a hundred different things, whether it's blue <laughs> metal or you know the doom metal or it's just again pick your adjective, and it's it's all subdivided. But uh, you know, it, it's kind of like the you know like the scene that uh, uh, a band like Quiet Riot came out of in the '70s. It's like they toured the same sort of clubs. And they would play whatever music the you know the the bar owners wanted them to play so that they could like sell drinks. So that if, if glitter uh, rock was still in, they would do pop, you know, and 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 or they would do you know covers of like whatever you know what is top forty. So maybe you throw in a Deep Purple song, maybe you throw in a Led Zeppelin song, and so it was a, it was a much more sort of. Uh, heterogeneous mix of uh, of sounds and taste and trends. Uh, what you would see in like a if you just toured like any major city is like what are you know what are the, the cover bands playing now? They're going to do some Maroon Five. They're going to do some Bruno Mars, and then maybe they're going to throw in maybe you know some Jimi Hendrix or some rock and roll or uh, jump Led Zeppelin. <laughs> and that's what Van Halen was doing, and they were just like they were the kings of doing that. And then they just, they they cobbled that together into their their original songs, and is by by the strength of all four members uh, that we recognize as the classic lineup that uh, they put out some classic albums, and you know we're able to survive uh, what was going to be an inevitable breakup with uh, you know the the egos and uh, you know the what was going to happen you know with like booting David Lee Roth from the band. Speaking of classic albums, let's give one away. I think that uh, I think that I uh, I, I want to make sure that everybody has an opportunity to listen to some classic Van Halen. We've already established a couple of us think Van Halen too is probably their best effort. And my company, Age of Metal, is going to give away a copy of Van Halen too. We're going to do it nice. via our Twitter account. And uh, we have a question that must be answered. So the first person to listen to this podcast and send us a Twitter or Facebook response to the question John's going to give us in just a second will win a copy of Van Halen 2. John, what's the question? The question is, uh, in the mid-70s, Gene Simmons had stumbled upon Van Halen and was going to produce them. He wanted them to change their name to a certain name. What was that name? Excellent question. So once we get the podcast loaded up and out there, we will monitor our social uh, social pages. And as soon as somebody gets that right, I'll need your address. I'll, I'll contact you for that, and we'll get your disc in the mail. Uh, so what 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 is the the middle aged metalheads uh, handle on Twitter? At ma metalcast. At ma metalcast. Very good. And we are on Facebook. There's a Facebook group at ma metalheads. Join that Facebook page. so that brings us to the end of middle-aged metalheads for this week we hope you had a good time talking van halen with us uh join the facebook page join us on twitter let us know which side you land on uh if you are on one side of the fence for colin and david and mike and trevor and me we'll see you next week and uh thanks again for sharing the show Sibilance, baby. Syphilis. Sweet syphilis. Sweet syphilis. Drippy dick.
Drippy <laughs> Drip. Was that the band dick. name? I thought that was Hammerhead. Drippy Dick. Tasty Drippy Dick. Wow. All right. You got all, got all the little exit. Tasty, tricky, saucy dick. Wow. Good. I don't know where to go from there. Is there a reference that I'm missing right. here? <laughs> it's like a movie you've all seen that I haven't seen. No. Okay. No, it's just uh, Michael's porno in his head. Just jealous because yeah. everybody he knows is overseas right now. 